Welcome to God's Planning, contemplative preachers, contemporary age. Each week, join the Dominican friars as they consider all things Catholic. Welcome to God's Planning, and uh, this episode that we're doing for Focus's Seek 21 conference. I'm Father Jacob Bertrand Jancic, uh, Director of Vocations for the Dominican Province of St. Joseph here in Washington, D.C., and I'm joined by two of my brothers, Father Patrick Briscoe. Say hi, Father Patrick. Hello, all. Father Patrick is up in Providence, Rhode Island at Providence College, and then uh, we are also here with Father Gregory Pine. Uh, Say hi, Father Gregory. Hello. Glad to be with you all. Yeah, Father Gregory is uh, over in somewhere in Europe, just hiking (laughs) for the next few years of his life. No, seriously, he's doing his doctoral work in Freiburg, Switzerland, so he's over there. So you have three of us Dominican friars from the province of St. Joseph, D.C., Providence, and Switzerland. So we're coming to you um, from all over the place. Um, (laughs) That's it. That's Uh, it, physically and spiritually. (laughs) Mentally too, maybe psychologically, emotionally, we might be in different places. So yeah, I, uh, I think so. Yeah, transcendently, great. transcendently. That's beautiful. Yeah, um, I feel like I'm kind of stuck here right now, but maybe one day I'll <laughs> transcend something beyond. <laughs> Uh, but for now, I'm not so much. But uh, yeah, so I think um, first a big a big thanks to to Focus and and the Seat Conference for inviting us uh, for inviting our podcast God's Planning to to be part of the conference, the virtual conference this year. That's exciting. Um, last year, uh, Father Gregory and I were at SLS and and Phoenix, right? That was in Phoenix, and then the year before that, Father Patrick and I were at Seek in um, in Indianapolis, where we drove around. Do you remember this, Father? When we got picked up by the airport, our Uber car. Was was like a canary yellow PT cruiser. <laughs> yes, I, it was amazing. <laughs> and I wanted to cancel it because I was embarrassed. Because of course, like you get into the airport, there are like thousands of people all going to the same place and we're there in our habits. And like, I see this thing on my phone, a canary yellow PT cruiser. I'm like, absolutely not. We have all these things to carry for the booth. I'm like, no, we cannot. And he's like, yes, yes, we are. So we kept the PT cruiser. It smelled like cigarettes. The guy had the windows down the whole time. It was in Indianapolis. It was like, what are we doing? We roll up to the hotel, canary yellow PT cruiser. It was great. But uh yeah, though we couldn't be there, you know, all together this year, it's great to be at least together virtually. And um, yeah, so we thought we'd do this. So hopefully there will be a bunch of new listeners who haven't who haven't tuned into the podcast or perhaps aren't terribly familiar to, with Dominicans. So our idea was that we'd, we'd spend a couple minutes introducing you to us, uh, to our podcast. And then uh, we thought we'd, we'd talk through some of our favorite scripture verses, um, perhaps fodder for your own Bible studies that y'all do together on campuses or virtually in person, whatever, but um, at least give you a bit of who we are before we just start blabbing at you or making fun of each other, which is usually what the podcast turns into, but at least you'll have some context. So Father Patrick, get us up to speed on, on the order, on the, on the order of preachers a bit. Righteous. Yeah, let's go. So St. Dominic is one of my favorite people to talk about of all time, uh, possibly even more than St. Thomas Aquinas, which is saying something for a Dominican to say that, right? But uh, St. Dominic is our founder. So the Dominicans are one of those great medieval orders of the church, which we're very proud of having, a, uh, having been in existence for 800 years now. Um, Actually, this year, 1221, is the 800th anniversary of St. Dominic's death. St. Dominic founded the order because he met a crisis in his time. You know, he saw a great need, and that need was for preaching. So in the Middle Ages, there was a a problem with an unlearned clergy. Preaching looked different. Um, It belonged mostly to the episcopacy, and people didn't necessarily hear homilies every Sunday at Mass, um, and what they were hearing could be problematic. So St. Dominic saw this problem. He saw 
a, a rampant heresy spreading in the south of France, Albigensianism or the Cathars. And he realized that what people needed was learned preaching. So that's what he did. He set out, he founded the order of preachers to meet that need in the church. And one of the things that's incredible about it is that even though, as we're saying, we have a medieval foundation and a medieval spirit, I think a lot of what St. Dominic's vision um, began 800 years ago is the answer to the needs of our own day. So the people at that time that St. Dominic saw, you know, were falling prey to false teaching. They didn't, they didn't have a confidence in the life of the church. Um, there was a lack of holiness among the clergy. There was a great need uh, for erudite teaching, you know, for, for really learned preachers. Uh, and I, I think the situation of the church is much the same today and that the order's charism really brings something to that. So that's why St. Dominic mattered then. And that's why St. Dominic's charism and his project matters now. So that's who we are. That's the order preachers. Yeah. So the order was founded in, in 1216. Dominic died in 1221, as Father Patrick just said. And then Dominicans came to the U.S. in 1805. Uh, they were brought, the, the order was brought to the U.S. by a Dominican priest named Edward Dominic Fenwick, who was an American who joined the order in Europe while he was studying there and then received permission to found the Dominicans here in 1805. So, um, Dominicans first landed in the Baltimore area, and um, the Fenwick wanted to found a, a school, but uh, the the Jesuit bishop at the time, they had, Georgetown was recently founded and didn't want you know competition, so he sent us out to the to the frontier in Ohio and Kentucky. So the first Dominicans were sort of frontier priests. They would travel around on horseback celebrating mass for the Catholics out there. And our, some of our first parishes were were founded out at the turn of the 19th century. So in Somerset, Ohio, Springfield, Kentucky, they're still you know active parishes in our province. And then we made our way back to the East Coast. So um, yeah, the province. Uh, is now one of four American provinces. Uh, so we have the Eastern province, Central, Western, and Southern. And um, our, our province takes up territory from Ohio and Kentucky in the West and Kentucky, Virginia in the South and everywhere Northeast of that. And we're, we're just about 300 friars, a little shy of that, um, mostly working in, in, academic, in the academic world, um, campus ministries and, uh, and parish life, but all for the sake of preaching the gospel. Uh, so that's a little more who we are more specifically. And I guess what we are, Father Gregory will kind of key into that. Yeah. So um, a lot of times people ask, uh, what's a day in the life of a Dominican? Well, I should say some people ask that if you're like a preschooler, you're like, what do you wear under your habit? That's the most burning question. It's like, stop being creepy kid and get away from me. Um, just kidding. We don't say that. But when we do, we say it gently. Um, so um yeah, like what is what does a day in the life of a Dominican look like? And I think the the basic shape is given by prayer, study, preaching, the common life, the vows, and then there are other things that kind of fill in the gaps. So, um, you know, people are like what time do you get up in the morning? It depends, and I'm not going to give a concrete number. But basically, you would wake up, you get yourself ready, then you pray in the presence of the Blessed Sacrament. You'd have common prayers that would look a lot like the prayers that you would see at a monastery. Right. So reciting of the Psalms, the liturgy of the hours, mass, you'd pray the rosary together. But in addition to that, there'd be an opportunity for, you know, class or, you know, private study. And then you're preparing things that you would potentially preach, uh, I don't know, on a podcast or in some, you know, like online seminar or, um, yeah, on a podcast. No, we would never do that. We do what? things in real life too, Father Gregory. <laughs> Yeah, no, this I mean, is just Father Gregory's world. When he says they wake the up, online Father seminar. Gets, Father he never Gregory gets up room. at four thirty. He gets up at four thirty in the morning. I get up around you know five thirty, and Father Patrick's up around nine thirty or ten. And at ten <laughs> depends on how late I was out with my students the night before. Yeah. yeah, Father Patrick's getting up at the crack of noon. You know, um, 
So, so you pray, you prepare those things, and then you, you do it in the context of a common life. So oftentimes Dominicans will go out together because part of the witness of a Dominican life is a life of friendship. Uh, and not just in the sense of like Dominicans, you know, skip in tandem, you know, it's like not, you know, kind of crass and dumb or like cheesy like that, but it's the sense that what we preach is the, is, is the fruit of our conversation. It's the fruit of our common prayer. It's the fruit of our common life. Um, so it's not like all chummy, you know, whenever I say the word chum, I think of the Hardy boys books that I read in fifth grade, Frank and Joe have a chum named Chet who, who has a jalopy and he likes spelunking. Oh man. Incredible. Um, I think of Jaws. We're going like, yeah, isn't chum what you throw in the water? Shark fishing. That's what I thought of too. Well, yeah. I mean, I suppose. Which would probably describe our life more than like having a friend just being like a bucket of fish slop, but that's all right. (laughs) Woo. Yeah. So, so prayer lays the foundation. Preaching is how the kind of prayer, uh, how you give testimony to that prayer to others. That's all formed in the context of a common life, which again is, is fired by study, but one that's, you know, it's a vowed life. So it looks like a monastic life with very rich prayer elements. And then you've got, you know, habit, silence, penance, devotion, to the blessed Virgin Mary, the things that you would think typically about religious life, all present there, all in service of the truth and the preaching for the salvation of souls. Yeah, that's right. I, so, you know, we've moved from 1216, founding of the order, 1221, Dominic dies, 1805, the order comes to America. Uh, that sounds like a terrible movie. And then <laughs> t- 20, what, 19, Godsplaining, right? The podcast, you know, the culmination the of three the big days. <laughs> <laughs> right. uh, I guess, so, you know, moving away from a history lesson, more to talk about us. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Father Gregory, tell us about the podcast, what, why, we, why we're here, what we're doing, why we're doing it, where it comes yeah. from. Yeah. So it's a, it's a podcasting age. It's a podcasting generation. And I think there's a sense that the charism of St. Dominic is still powerful. It's still fruitful. It's still something that um, yeah, is an enduring worth. And if it is true, if it is good, then um, it can be it can be used in a variety of media, and we've come to find that this is a good medium in which to have this type of conversation, this kind of uh, contemplative conversation that sheds light on all of the different aspects of um, of ordinary human life. So I think that um, sometimes in the modern world we feel I don't know at loose ends or compartmentalized or fragmented, and it's hard to say like what one does at church, um, how that informs what one does elsewhere. And so in the podcast, we're talking about faith, talking about philosophy and theology, but we're also talking about arts, literature, culture. We're talking about, you know, COVID vaccines and talking about like everything under the sun um, in, in this kind of, well, I don't know, with like a disposition of how, how is God's revelation brought to bear in the situation and how, as I, how can I, as a, as a whole human being, you know, become more so perfectly healed and elevated by grace so that I can take on all of these different challenges in a way that's, um, yeah, that's happy, that's healthy, that's holy. So, um, yeah, God's planning. It's the idea is not, not to explain God as if to explain him away, but to uh, take the listener by the hand and lead him or her into the mysteries of God so you can see how those mysteries transform who you are and what you do uh, and make life yet more beautiful. Great. It's basically a tour of the Wonka factory. <laughs> so what I'm and, hearing is Wonka chocolate, factory. there's chum. So, <laughs> great. Perfect. Delish. All right. So uh, what we thought we would do is perhaps to, to dive into scripture a little bit, do something a little less about us, but more about God. It's God's <laughs> not us explaining after all. Uh, to do that, 
we're not going to do so much of a, of a kind of Lexio Divina on, on any of the passages. We do do, the, do that on the podcast, though, during um, Advent, Lent, and Eastertide. So if that's on the Sunday reading. So if you're interested in hearing more about that, you know, tune in, listen to some old ones, tune in this coming Lent. But we thought we'd go through, for the three of us, our, our favorite scripture verses. I don't know if, we, if I can pick one, but I'll pick one. I have picked one. I've picked one, so I have a favorite. But uh, just to give us something a little, something to chew on a little bit, perhaps in our, in our own prayer life, in our own scripture reading, in our own Lexio, in our own you know, Bible studies. I don't know. You can say what we say or totally ignore what we say. So it's up to you. But Father Patrick, why don't you, why don't you lead us in with, with your, your favorite scripture passage? Yeah, uh, Leviticus 3.16. All fat belongs to the Lord. <laughs> Oh, you wanted my real one. <laughs> okay. The sad thing is my, you're probably not joking. <laughs> no, my, uh, my, my, real, my real scripture verse is John 12, 24, which is unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains just a single grain with no life. And, um, you know, like many people, I first learned that verse from the lyrical hymn, which I now have mixed feelings about. Um, <laughs> but uh, the verse I've, I rediscovered, as it were, or come to really know this verse well in college, because this verse, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains just a single grain with no life. John 12, 24. This verse is actually the epigraph for Dostoevsky's Brothers Karamazov. And so when I opened that novel, um, I, as a young college student, for me, it was a very deep experience of um, Christianity. The, the, novel, the novel is just incredible in its presentation of the greatest challenges to being a believer and offers one of the most profound responses to those great challenges um, that's to be had in the form of a novel. Um, so, so it was my experience in Brothers K that, that led me to, to really love this verse and to understand the, the depth of its meaning. And the heart of it is really coming to see that um, it is by dying to ourselves that graces are multiplied in our lives. And of course, uh, Christ exemplifies this preeminently in his death on the cross. It's by the graces of the passion that believers have come to be redeemed and that love multiplies itself. Um, and that's the meaning of the verse. So before, before the seed um, can bear new life, it actually has to be buried. It has to be hidden. Um, it has to die to itself. Um, and then when it grows, new life will come and it will be multiplied. Um, so I, you know, for, for me, that verse is just the, the, the key to my own, uh, to my own spiritual life, just re recalling, you know, again and 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 again, uh, that, that I need to die to myself, you know, doing, doing it once or twice does not suffice for Christian life, that, that it is in fact the pattern of, um, the life of the cross that gives us, um, the most powerful experiences of meaning and, and of love. That's one of the things that, you know, as vocation director, I'm often, often explaining different parts of the life and answering questions about the life. I'm sure you two guys are as well. Um, but often, you know, we'll talk about the vows and as Dominicans, we only, we live poverty and chastity, of course, but we only take a vow of obedience and people will ask, you know, what is it like, you know, what's the hardest vow or what's the most, you know, what, is, what are these vows like to live in a consecrated way? And I think that vow of obedience, often we think of, of things um, that are grand, you know, like being sent to a far off mission or giving, giving, being given an assignment you don't like. And yeah, those things do fall under obedience. They certainly do. Um, but it's also that, that daily kind of faithfulness, that perseverance of that, um, 
of, you know, waking up every morning to be in the chapel to pray and to be at office and to celebrate mass and to be with the community and to take time to study, you know, all of these things, even though we're not told to do it every day, are matters of obedience. And that's just, that's not a reality that's, that's exclusive to religious, but is a Christian reality um, that, you know, to be a good Christian, it's, it's that dying to self. It's that, you know, our time is not our own. Our, our gifts are not our own, those sorts of things. Um, what I really love about this, this verse that Father Patrick has chosen to be his second favorite uh, is, is the, in the sort of middle there, right? That our Lord says, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. Um, that, that question of who, who are we with? To whom do we belong? How do we, how do we belong? Um, what is like, you know, what, how is it that we become part of the mystical body and remain there and part of Christ? And um, it's not by looking at ourselves and being turned in and being selfish, but by giving, um, I think like to use the language of John Paul II, you know, that, that, that full gift of self, um, that complete gift of self, uh, it's that great per- Christian paradox. It's, it's really catching. It remains alone. You remain by yourself unless you give yourself. Uh, I love that. That's beautiful. Yeah. And I think, um, there's a sense in which as you described obedience, um, I'm thinking of kind of COVID tide where there are a lot of rules and the rules are changing often. And, um, you know, some people are very docile to those rules and other people are less docile to those rules. So every time like a new kind of liturgical change comes out in Switzerland, my blood boils. And my first thought is there's no way I'm doing that. Like, (laughs) (laughs) not a chance, but, but if I continue in that vein for the rest of my life, I'll end up living alone. You know, like I'll end up just living my own life. I won't necessarily end up like discovering the Lord's will for what it is I'm supposed to do, because I'll just be too caught up with the fact that like, I'm angry, and I think I'm right. And so this idea that you have to lose your life to save it, right? If you really, really go for, you know, clutch at grasp at what it is that you want, you know, sometimes you'll seize it, but then you'll have the disappointment of having only ever what you had planned for and accomplished, because the Lord's plans are so much bigger and bolder and beautiful. But it means, yeah, it means dying, which is excruciating. But it seems necessary. (laughs) Maybe there's some good in it. There, I will say, just to be a little devil, devil's advocate, to do what all Dominicans love to do is to say, well, actually, and correct what somebody else has just said <laughs> to show that you're smart. Father Gregory is showing that he's super smart. If you check out the video, because he, he just piled a huge book, set of books next to him to show how smart he is. But um, the, the one COVID regulation thing, no, Father Patrick, those are those are just book jackets those are picture on books. Father Patrick's desk. <laughs> they're hollow. They're empty. Uh <laughs> the one, the one new COVID regulation that just came out here, I think, for the whole U.S. is is the distribution of ashes, of ashes on Ash Wednesday will be sprinkled on the head rather than smeared into your forehead by someone's greasy finger that will keep the cross there for weeks as you have a disgusting breakout like I usually do every year. So I'm very happy <laughs> for for the sprinkled ashes rather than the uh, the smeared kind of stuff. So yeah, that's see, one silver that's lining. One. Silver <laughs> lining. That's right. Um, any other any other thoughts here from the peanut gallery or from Father Patrick on on your favorite scripture verse here? I said my piece. He's done. He's through. He's quitting. Father Gregory, I'm ready to correct speak you. To us, I'm just yeah, biding my time. Someone else to correct. <laughs> speak truth, Father Gregory. All right. My favorite scripture verse comes from John one verse forty one, and the words that I have chosen to quote are not the whole verse. But simply these, we, we have found the Messiah. So in John 1, 
you have that long prologue and then you have a, a handful of scenes where John the Baptist encounters the Lord and then John the Baptist's disciples encounter the Lord. And there's the scene where the Lord walks by, John the Baptist says, behold, the Lamb of God. And it says that Andrew and an unnamed disciple are there kind of waiting in the wings and they go after the Lord and the Lord turns around and says, what do you seek? To which they respond, master, where are you staying? To which he says, come and see. And it says they stayed with him. It was the 10th hour. They remained with him the whole day. And then Andrew comes back to his brother, Peter, and just says this. He says, we have found the Messiah. And what I find so yeah, beautiful, bracing, uh, challenging about this passage is that um, Andrew is certain. He's certain. And I think, you know, in the 21st century, it's hard to be certain about anything because whenever you're certain about something, people just take it as ideology or they take it as a kind of hate crime or an act of violence. It's like, how could you possibly foist your truth upon me, you robed criminal? It's like, okay, all right. That, that, didn't, that didn't go as well as I was hoping. Um, <laughs> but good chat. Okay, I'll see you around. Um, and uh, yeah, but, but there's such a certainty in Peter, and that certainty is born of his encounter with the Lord. So I think here of that passage that you often hear quoted from Deus Caritas Est, where uh, Pope Benedict says that being Christian is not the result of an ethical choice or a lofty ideal. It's rather an event, an encounter with a person who imparts to life a new horizon and a decisive direction. So I think that whenever we open the sacred page, whenever we read the scriptures, we're looking to encounter the Lord. And what we come to discover is that the Lord changes our lives and makes us certain of him. And that certainty gives us freedom. Because when you have real certainty in the Lord, then you can explore. You know, um, psychologists talk about attachment theory. When a child knows that its parent is there for him or her, then that child is free to like, you know, toddle about and be adventurous. And we know that the Lord is there for us, not that he's our parent, you know. The analogy doesn't hold perfectly, okay? But because we know father, we have the, the helicopter, Baron. <laughs> <laughs> because we know we have the Lord, you know, we're free, basically. We're free to explore the world and to seek his face uh, to encounter him in it. So I take great consolation from that. I think that freedom... I, oh, Father Patrick, you go. I went second last time. You go first this time. Oh, Father, you're so kind. It's what free. A, I, I'm free to do that. Look, look at him dying to himself right Di here. Oh, I right was just going to say that too. So beautiful. <laughs> um, the, one of the things that I love about this encounter is that Andrew becomes eclipsed. Um, so Andrew is the one who leads his brother, Simon Peter, to Christ. And that Andrew, um, a Andrew becomes kind of lost, at least from the, from the Catholic perspective, right? It's Peter. Um, he becomes the rock uh, for our church. It, it's Peter uh, that Christ goes to so many times in the Gospels to give um, oftentimes uh, almost correct answers <laughs> whenever he asks questions. It's, it's Peter, who, Peter who works so many miracles in the book of Acts with Paul. Um, or otherwise, uh, P Peter just has this incredible legacy as, as the first pope. Um, and we forget that it was Andrew who brought Peter to the Lord. And uh, this is really an incredible thing for us to see is that oftentimes in our vocation, um, this can be what the Lord is calling us to, uh, to, be, to be the one who bears another uh, to Christ and to not be afraid to be eclipsed by means of reputation um, or legacy. Andrew wasn't afraid of that. You know, it wasn't like he was worried about Christ loving him less um, for Peter's greatness. Um, he, he just took his brother because he delighted in this great truth that they could together share. So the truth isn't something that, that can be possessed or, or that we have to be afraid of another delighting in. We, we won't lose ourselves um, for having shared it. Yeah, I was, I was thinking here too of, of the kind of result of coming to know Christ. So Father Gregory 
pointed out or, or selected just that one verse, verse 41 from the first chapter of John, but the, the first lines, the first few words of the second of, of the next verse, Father Patrick was alluding to that, that uh, Andrew brings Peter, brings Peter to Jesus. And I, th I think that that encounter, that surety of foundation of truth of um, identity that we find in Christ as, you know, the second Vatican council teaches that Christ reveals man fully to himself, that it's in knowing Christ, we come to know who we are, allows us then to be missionary disciples and to live the apostolic life in our own life you know, perhaps not always by what we say, but certainly by the example of our life that we do or, or that we live. And I think the real beauty of the Christian life is that the more and more person becomes, you know, receives our Lord's mercy and becomes healed and transformed, the more one becomes conformed to Christ, the more Christ is able to be seen in in that person. And ultimately, the, the beautiful gift of being an instrument of, of salvation that we're all called to be is, is not that we save anybody, but that our Lord invites us to to be, you know, to bring people along to him, which is, which is really incredible and really beautiful and necessary in all parts of the church in the world, not just for religious, not just for priests, not just for focused missionaries, of course, all of those things, but for for all of us, for all of us. So I guess save the best for last, maybe. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Oh, that's dangerous. Uh, dangerous to say. So, you know, if I were to pick my uh, a John verse, a verse from the Gospel of John to stay in keeping with Father Patrick and Father Gregory, I would have picked John 14, 27. Um, you can look that up yourself. I'm not going to pick it up. Uh, it's, uh, but the line there, not as the world gives, do I give you uh, when during the Last Supper discourse, when our Lord is giving his apostles and his disciples his peace, um, which are also the words that we the priest prays at mass before the sign of peace. I think that's just an incredible verse, not as the world gives, do I give you. So I'm not going to pick that. I'm going to go to the Old Testament to Isaiah chapter 30, verse 15. Uh, Isaiah 30, 15 reads this kind of strange because it's kind of in the mid middle of, of a whole kind of dialogue, but I love it. So for thus says the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, in returning and rest, you shall be saved and quietness and in trust shall be your strength. Those two lines there. In returning and rest, you shall be saved. In quietness and in trust shall be your strength. Um, I'm sure I read it before, but I, I the first time I, I remember reading this verse and being like really taken by it was was in college. Um, I don't know why or how I found it. You know, it's like kind of buried in the middle of Isaiah, um, but I did, and it's kind of stuck with me since. And what I like about it is, is a couple things. One, it tells us who God is, um, that, uh, who, where our salvation lies, um, and what we need to do and how we need to do to be there. So returning to him, this constant idea of conversion of constantly coming back, but also in resting in him that, and, and just being with God is our salvation more than, more than enough. And then, you know, I think in a, in a world, especially when I was you know, as a, as a college student and an athlete and somebody, I wanted to go to medical school. So this kind of like always thinking about success, always thinking about like being the next best, whatever, um, this description of quietness and trusting in the Lord and simply being quiet and resting with him. That's, that's where my strength comes. That's who my strength is that, that really captured my mind and my, my heart and still does. So I, I read it a lot when I, when I, or think about it a lot when, when like everything seems to be going to hell in a handbasket, like in a pandemic or like when work is too much or when I'm just overwhelmed, <laughs> that it's just being 
with with God is not only salvation, but rest and quiet and strength and trust. Um, all of these things that we need in a father and all of these things that 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 God is. So for me, that's always stuck out as as um, a, a kind of comforting re- reminder of who God is and, and what I need to do just to to be with him. And and that's enough. That's more than enough. So as yeah, I, I love, oh, no, no, I want you to back cleanup. <laughs> <laughs> Which is code for go for it. I'm, I, I want to go and then you go. I, I'm with you. Yeah, I'm not against <laughs> so, uh, it. <laughs> so this line shall be your strength, right? Uh, the, the God of Israel, if we're going to take the Old Testament mentality, um, the God of Israel is the winning God. Uh, <laughs> this, is, this, is a God who, this is a God who protects his people and um, who makes them safe. Um, and the point of recounting so many stories of the Old Testament, uh, rem- remembering not just the military victories, but the times of God's intervention into human history, um, doing sometimes truly miraculous yeah. things, sometimes just softening a human heart. Um, the, the point of all of this is to say that this is the God who saves um, and that by allowing this God to be our strength and we recognize ultimately that, that the course of history, the course of our lives belongs to him. And that, that I think is a really incredible um, thing to hear Isaiah proclaiming, especially this time in salvation history. Um, and is the kind of thing as Father Jacob Urchin was pointing out that is evergreen in our own spiritual lives. So see, I just had one little comment, Father Gregory. No, it's great. Just a little, a little nugget, a little, <laughs> little chick, a little Chick Fil A tender there, you know. Uh, Ooh, I had Chick Fil A tenders for the first time the other day. How were those? those? Are good. I don't like Chick Fil A that much anymore. This mm. might cause great consternation, but they're fries. Heresy. They're always soggy. I love the father, fries, but I love Father. Fries. Father, it's the Lord's chicken. I know. Actually, but somebody recently sent me mm. just like a, a package of Chick Fil A sauce, which was was moving. It was my sister, Rebecca. She's like, things that you would probably miss most. It's like, yes, I was missing this mix of honey barbecue. and Wait, what is it? Dijon and honey barbecue, whatever, who cares? Angel um, dust. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Magic. Um, right, so final thoughts on this verse from the book of the prophet Isaiah. The last things that will ever be spoken on this verse. So you've heard them here last. Um, I, I, love, I love these themes, you know, for turning and resting. And uh, what it brings to mind is this idea of recollection. I think a lot of people um, think that being a contemplative is for nuns and then everyone else is just left to their own devices. And the most that you can hope for is thinking about the Lord a little bit during your dedicated time of prayer, but everything else is just like a dumpster fire. Um, so God bless and good luck. <clears throat> but here, this gives us a rich scriptural theme to meditate on that that shows it's basically it's possible. Like you can return to the Lord, you can rest in the Lord. And that's something that's ongoing, right? So when you open up your computer and you're like, the thought of looking at my email right now makes me want to vomit and then throw myself at a second story window and then come back up the stairs and do it again. Um, it's okay. You know, just like close your eyes, think about the Lord. That's the beginning of a contemplative life or that's, uh, that is a contemplative life. So I think that um, when we feel at times overwhelmed by how lofty the Christian call can seem, it's, it's then that we're called to return, to rest, to be quiet, to trust, uh, and to muse on the Lord and his love for us. And we'll find that in that is the very substance you know, of uh, friendship, the very substance of, of Christian intimacy with the Lord Jesus Christ. So yeah, cheers. I think just by way of kind of coming out of our reflections on what is our favorite kind of things, um, 
to maybe comment, just say a word about uh, your own Bible studies that you all do with with focus and your missionaries on campus. If you aren't involved in a Bible study, you know, I think we would all greatly encourage that because it's it's the word, the living word that is at the heart of the Christian life, um, that is our our encounter with Christ, um, but not only our encounter with Christ, but our, our encounter with one another. Um, through coming to know Christ, we're better able to know and or to better able to love and follow him, but we're we're also called to do that together in uh as a church in our own communities. And and these these things are important because it's in this context that we flourish that the that the faith takes hold and that um those those friendships that father gregory talked about a bit the the sort of coming together um in community as apostles as disciples begins to flourish and take root so um yeah i would you know i think all of us would encourage you and kind of following after saint thomas who in the end was you know really a great scripture scholar and a scripture teacher um before all else so uh, following in that in that great tradition so Again, thanks to Focus and Seek 21 for, for inviting us uh, to be part of, of the conference, the virtual conference this year. It's been a pleasure being with you all. Um, if you want to uh, stay plugged in with the podcast, with God's planning, we have our weekly episodes are, are launched on Thursday. And then uh, the first Monday of each month, we have uh, our guest series called Guest Splaining with a different guest, a non-Dominican. So if you if you even just want to listen to somebody else besides ourselves, you can do that. Um, in January, Father Mike Schmitz was with us. Um, in December, Sarah Kroger, we just started that in December. So Sarah Kroger was with us in December. You have to stay tuned for our next guest in February, but um, that's coming up too. And then during uh, the penitential seasons of Advent and Lent, and also during Easter, we have our Sunday Lexio series. So stay tuned for that. Lent should be fun. We're doing our back to basics series on the virtues uh, each week on one of the theological or cardinal virtues. Um, another exciting thing, perhaps, is that in in due time, soon enough, we'll be launching some merch on our website, so you can check that out, godsplaining.org. Um, if you're looking to get a little more tuned in with Dominicans and things Thomistic, the Thomistic Institute is a really excellent resource. They have a great video series on YouTube called Aquinas 101, um, so you can check them out on YouTube or their website. They also have a podcast. They're a bit more serious and more professional, so if you're tired of us babbling and making jokes about chum and all that, you can go somewhere else but still stay with the dominicans uh, and final plug here as we kind of as we as we kind of close um, if you're thinking about a, a vocation or interested in that of course check out our website opeast.org slash vocations you get more time with me uh if you're a lady sorry i can't help you but uh otherwise <laughs> that's it so you'll have to go somewhere else but uh so on behalf of God's planning on behalf of Father Patrick, Father Gregory, our other two hosts who aren't with us, but Father Bonaventure, Father Joseph Anthony. Um, thanks for tuning in. We hope that you will come back, like us, continue, you know, leave a comment, share us uh, with others. And uh, until next time, God bless. Thanks for listening to God's Planning, a work of the Dominican Friars of the province of St. Joseph. Visit us at opeast.org 